Dr. Billy, we are back with episode 64, Jurassic Park and co-parenting. What are people going to learn this week? Yeah, just uh, so I want to be really practical, a bit selfish because nice. I'm right in the trenches with this one at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, so we just thought we'd come back and do something that will hopefully be something families can take home and actually use to improve the quality of their interactions with their kids, the amount of stress that they've got on them and kind of something to work on. Yeah, it's great, Billy. I like it. It's a nice and revealing episode. I like when you go and you go, I need to double down with some homework here, guys. We're all going to do this one together. That's great. Just a reminder, guys, that we are back. We've had about eight weeks off, so we would love it if you could tell people that we're back and share it on your social media. That would be really helpful. And if you haven't dropped a review yet, please, please take that opportunity to pop a little uh, rating on Spotify or on uh, iTunes, wherever you're listening to us from, that'd be really helpful. But we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Billy, a developmental paediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Welcome back, Dr. Billy Garvey. How are you? Thank you. Thank you, Nick. I'm back. Loving every minute of it. I know. Awesome. It's, it's been, it's going to be, I've just checked the dates. It looks like it's going to be over 70 days since we last sat down <laughs> and had a discussion. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Long yeah. time. Yeah, it's gone quick for me. I've obviously <laughs> missed you. <laughs> so, Billy, tell us where have you been for the last 10 weeks? Yes. Well, so, yeah, eight, I think eight weeks, but uh, London, which was amazing, and then um, around the States, mm-hmm. uh, which is phenomenal. And Doing what? Um, just meeting with different people who've got similar passion around kind of how do we better support mm. and guide the kids in our community. And it's been phenomenal. So um, really amazing trip and I might uh, might come up in the, <laughs> the Griswold and Winslow's. Oh. But, um, yeah, just really, really amazing trip for a few different reasons. But, um, yeah, and I got to meet some phenomenal people in this space that are just doing some really amazing things out there and yeah, there'll cool. be some stuff coming down the pipeline. There's already been a few things coming out but there's, there's stuff coming. So it's nice. really exciting. Yep, and mm. the family able to join you briefly. Yeah, so for a long time, yeah, which was just phenomenal. Like it was, um, yeah, maybe it's good. Well, one thing we should do actually because one thing we have to talk about is Mm -hmm. just how phenomenal our community is Mm -hmm. and our community is bigger now because we're getting a lot of messages from people that are like just found the podcast and have listened to it on binge. So which must be quite the rollercoaster of you and my, like our kind of emotions (laughs) through the last 18 months. Year of parenting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yes, but um, so it's amazing to have more people in a bigger community now and, yeah, maybe I'll give my Winslow. Yeah, good. Look, I just want to say, Billy, I'm glad you're back though because my parenting has been suffering. So, <laughs> and I'll get to my result in a second. So let's give you your Winslow. Let's do it. I don't object to fun. I love fun. In fact, I'm the grand funk master of fun. <laughs> give it to me. So mine, actually, I'm going to give it to someone else or lots of other people and I'm going to give it to Americans. So, yes, I... All of them. All of them. Every (laughs) single... What is it? 300 million. million Yes. (laughs) 
But what, something really phenomenal, which is an important reflection in how I am in my community, but when we – the first couple of days we were like, oh, this is – what a lovely day because all of these people just interacted with a vet and I've spoken to you about this. Like mm. they – she's just bopping around and she just had – every day there would be a dozen people, complete strangers we don't know, on a train, you know, wherever we were – that would interact with her and it must be something about the American culture because for over five weeks we had that every single day. Regardless of big city, small town. Yeah, regardless. So like, the you know, the train woman on at the ticket booth in Chicago got to know her really well. She'd come out every morning and make a big deal of us when we were wow. going through like and there was people like that everywhere and even like because she doesn't know so we'd be on the train and it'd be like some scary looking dude and I'd be like yeah you know and then Yvette would just light up and interact with them mm. and interact back and it was she almost became like you know probably went to her head a bit because she'd roll around and she just started waving at everyone and it was a bit crushing actually because we got back to Australia and um, went through customs and she just got crickets she was trying to interact with don't mess <laughs> with the border patrol mate <laughs> yeah. so yeah, but it was this beautiful thing actually because I got to have this amazing experience um, parenting Yvette really intensely, which yep. is beautiful because I don't get much time with her and I definitely don't get much time with her parenting her with Annalise because we mm. both just tap in and tap out. And having everyone else celebrate her was just this really beautiful thing Heartwarming. for five weeks. Yeah. And so I actually mentioned this to you the other day. You're very good at doing that, at being like celebrating the other kids that you see in the community, interacting with them. But it made me realise I need to do it more because of how much I gained from it. Yeah. So no, it was great when she came back. It was lovely to see her. She came onto the porch and we hadn't seen her and you were saying, well, I'm not sure how she's going to go. And she yeah. was uh, she was excited to be back. Oh, yeah, mate. And, she's um, in you and Henry's arms the most of the time we were there, which was beautiful because, yeah, she's um, – yeah, she's, those attachments are really important, so it was really lovely. Fantastic. Any Griswolds when you were travelling across the States? Uh, yes, yeah, give me – Give me Grizzy. Let's do it. Hey. Let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. So, yeah, the, the hardest thing has been, um, which is what a lot of us do with our kids unintentionally, mm. we've kind of come back and completely changed everything. We've gone from like over a month of, you know, you have us all day, every day, I bounce <laughs> off for some meetings and then come back to, cool, you get 10 minutes, like when we say at 6.30 in the morning and then we'll be gone for 12 hours and you'll get another 10 minutes in the evenings. And she's, Evie's really struggling with it and I'm mm. really struggling with it. She's just escalating, you know, things that she's never done before. She tells me to go away and go stand over there oh. and doesn't want me near her. She's talking now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I can't – I'm really struggling to soothe her and she's kind of her sleeps all over the place. And it's just that classic thing of like we had this really good, you know, routine before we left. She, she was thriving. We mm. went and she slept on a couch and on the floor like she <laughs> wasn't in cots so in, in between us, which was beautiful. Like um, just doing that and we just did whatever we needed to and she got amazing at so many things but then we came back and went, cool, that's over, back to this. And she's struggling with it and that's, you know, I even as a developmental pediatrician I realised that the expectation I have of a two-year-old to be able to do that is not one that is achievable without a little bit of bumpy ride mm. on the landing. So 
that's kind of my Griswold at the moment is just going through that, which um, is going to be very on topic because that's why I've selfishly chosen this topic a bit because I need to work on co-regulation, which is what we're going to talk about. Ooh. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk about co-regulation nice. and how you translate the theory and science into practice, which is what I'm currently doing uh, pretty intensely. <laughs> so I, I don't even know what it means yet, but I know I'm going to need it. <laughs> yes. But let me give you my Griswold billing. So no Winslow's this week. Okay. <clears throat> So I'm walking up to daycare with my youngest, my near three-year-old. She's three in a couple of weeks, right? She's a, she's a demon on the scooter. She is. I've seen her. Right. Yeah, it's a big jump. So we get up to that cafe near our house or across the road to go over to the kinder. I get to the corner and I've got new system. It's a really good system. Been working really well. Where I'll be like, stay here. And then we yell out, all clear, and everyone shoots across. It's a, it's a system we do it. We cross eight roads a day both my girls, and it's all clear, go across. Just better than trying to handle both their scooters and lagging. Anyway, it's been working beautifully for about three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, I reckon I saw it work beautifully last week. Yeah, well, there's some troubleshooting, Billy. Um, so we got up to the corner and I stepped off onto the road and I said, wait there, so I couldn't see past some cars. I go out and have a look and I'm like, yeah, okay, it's looking okay. And as I take one step further, and it's all clear, by the way, but I haven't called it, she shoots past. Mm. Unprompted. Across the road. And it's, it's not a busy road, but it's a busy-ish road, yeah. right? People agitated around there. She shoots past and my heart just jumps out of my chest. She shoots across the road, arrives on the other side safely. No cars near us. No cars. But I didn't tell her to come off the road, so my system's broken down. So I've been re-looking at it. She gets across the other side and I grab her and I start like going, oh, mate, blah, 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 you know, give me a couple. It's really important you get this right, you know. And then um, a lady who was with me the whole time and had walked past me as I was kind of correcting her, she gets about 10 metres past me and she turns around and she goes, um, hey, uh, Nick, yeah, I really like your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, it's, it's really good. I go, yeah, oh, that, you know, great. You know, what's your name? She's, oh, Jade. And I was like, oh, cool, that's great. And I go, yeah, I go, um, did you just see what happened? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> saw that. But, you know, it was really nice watching you bond over it and all the rest of it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a podcast. I'm a real expert in this parenting game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she just, she goes, no, 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 no. You know, it was really good what you did. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and met her boy and it was really, it was really sweet. But gee, yeah, it just was a howler. <laughs> and it's funny, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's terrible. I was just like, oh, I'm not the expert. I don't know what I'm doing, which well, I'm not in this scenario, right? But in, in you and me, you're the expert. But yeah, no, so a bit of well, a no, I feel the same. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Evie's kind of struggling out in public as well at the moment. Yeah. And so I'm just like, people must be saying, please, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's yeah. awesome, though. But, and I, I reckon you do handle those situations really well. So she's probably giving you a genuine. I, I handled that one well. Sometimes yeah. I don't. Yeah. So she got me on a good a good morning, but yeah, it was pretty scary stuff, and oh, yeah. it was pretty funny just to be. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Jade. Um, yeah. It was nice. Really, uh, nice to meet her. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of that stuff today. So oh, we'll really? get onto it. But first, Jurassic Park. Oh, huge, huge, huge! It's really funny because there's a generational difference because Annalise is younger and. She doesn't have any, any connection to this movie. And I watched the bit where they kind of, you know, look out of the Jeep and see the dinosaurs for the first time. I was like, does that take you back? And she's like, no. Nah. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's it's this beautiful um, 
take I don't know if it takes you back to your childhood. Yeah, and totally. Kind of, I yeah. loved it. Like I, my partner loves um, all the films. Like she loves Jurassic Park, loved the books I think as well. And we went for the rewatch obviously together. We'd always do the rewatch together. And um, yeah, I, I think mostly it holds up really well as well. Yeah. And it's just, it is, it is kind of like, yeah, um, uh, doesn't make me emotional. It's a bit overwhelming when you see it all. And that first scene in Sam Neill, Laura Dern, it's so good, just yeah. their reactions. And yeah, yeah I loved it. I, I really did. I think great rewatch. Yeah, really good it's rewatch. A, yeah, it's a great movie and I've picked it for a couple of reasons, one of which is that, um, yeah, it's, it's celebrating its 30-year anniversary. Yep. Um, it was obviously huge blockbuster. I think it knocked uh, E.T. out of the rankings for mm. highest grossing and then got overtaken by Titanic. But mm. it's a the interesting thing about this movie, some of the culture behind it and the story of it, Michael Crichton wrote it. Mm. Um, he wrote two two books that went into the first three movies. Yep. He was a he was a doctor actually. Mm. So what I'm trying to do with the movie is blend the science of parenting to this pop culture reference. What he did is he went to Harvard Med School, really loved science, but never actually practiced medicine. Really? Yeah, Crichton. All the way to Harvard Med School and yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. He said that his first 15 minutes of med school he realised it wasn't for him. <laughs> but then kept going because he's like, oh, that's what everyone feels. But then he didn't. And he was – so what he did was he was obviously very creative and a phenomenal writer. Um, he went on and blended science with fiction, so science fiction. Oh. But that's – he put a lot of his science in it and we see it in Jurassic Park. He actually – the book was in a bidding war, which Spielberg obviously won with mm. Universal because Spielberg and uh, Crichton were working on ER together. So Crichton wrote ER, the TV series – Spielberg was on that. Spielberg was, yeah, one of the um, people yeah, that was was working on it. And so this big bidding war happened and they were trying to get all these different actors. Um, Spielberg said he'd do it if it meant he could do um, Schindler's List. So Spielberg filmed uh, Jurassic Park and then they said, look, we'll do Schindler's List. So he reckons the hardest time of um, Spielberg's life was when he was in post-production of Jurassic Park and filming Schindler's List in Europe. God. Just a wild time, which I feel like I'm in at the moment. But um, <laughs> the so yeah, it's this amazing movie. Crichton, you know, so he also wrote Congo. I don't know if you remember yep. that movie, the monkey mm. the gorilla that has the glove that can translate the sign language. So that was the science of that one. Um, Twister as well. He wrote the screenplay for Twister. I love Twister. Yeah, we should do Twister. Helen yeah, Hunt. Helen Hunt. Um, so anyway, so Crichton blends this science into the into Jurassic Park, and yep. Jurassic Park is almost like a a modern day Frankenstein. It's like they don't know how to wield what they've created, nope. like Frankenstein with the monster. And that's what we see in Jurassic Park. They've, you know, they've been able to utilise the science to make dinosaurs and his original pitch of the book was it was a college student that made a single dinosaur, cloned it. But then he'd also uh, produced and written Westworld, so the movie, not the TV series. Okay, never and saw it. Yeah, it was in the 70s, really amazing um, for its time, tech and CGI. Gotcha. So obviously that was Westworld, for people who don't know, is a Western theme park that goes wrong and it's meant to be safe and nothing ever wrong is going to happen. And then Jurassic Park is the same thing. It's, yep. you know, we've but done park. the science, we've made it perfect. And then you have Jeff Goldblum's character who is a specialist in chaos theory and chaos theory, the idea <gasps> that like small things can have huge impacts. And we see that in the movie, mm. the whole thing fails and it's it's a – 
you know, just reminds me of a parenting journey is that this, you know, this setup. Frankenstein, don't know what we've created. <laughs> the words yeah. are still echoing in my head uh, from earlier, Billy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, and obviously, you know, the the other thing that relates to this, so there's the parenting aspect we're going to talk about, co-regulation. Gotcha. Jurassic Park is about... It's not about those animals are not monsters, they're animals yep. and it's about understanding that. Now, interestingly, Jurassic Park does this hopeless thing in its I Love Trashy movies but what we're going to talk about in co-regulation is not what Chris Pratt does in the later movies. I don't know if you remember, he like holds his hand up to the raptors and they calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not what co-regulation is. Co-regulation is what Sam Neill does. With in, who? With the kids. Okay. So Sam Neill is the only character that has an arc in the movie. So I don't know if you remember, yep. Sam yes. Neill's character starts and he's avoiding the kids, doesn't want anything to do with yeah. the kids, tries to be in a different separate car Separate cars, kids. yep. But then he connects with them, doesn't he? Yeah. And there's numerous times through the movie where he co-regulates with the kids. Good. And we're going to talk about one of those scenes. But it's a really good example of the movie is this kind of big blockbuster, amazing like, you know, sci-fi, CGI, all this phenomenal stuff. But what we see is they're trying to handle a situation they've lost control of. Gotcha. And that's what's going on in the movie and that's okay. what goes on in our parenting journey. Okay, before we get into co-regulation, there's one thing I want to talk about. Just uh, that Jeff Goldblum shot. <laughs> um, for anyone that hasn't seen it, my goodness. I know. So there's this shot of Jeff Goldblum after he's fallen, he's run away from a whatever T-Rex, he's ended up back in the medical tent or whatever. And he's sitting there in this stance that has this sh- this light over the top of him and he's got his shirt unbuttoned, look like an absolute, just like icon. It's the best shot, Google it. Yeah. Um, and then spends the next hour in the same pose <laughs> in that shot. Just and I'm lying like, down. Shirt just lying down, shirt unknown going and just looking swarthy, just amazing. So you see it earlier, that part of his character, when they're uh, looking at the Triceratops's yep. poo and he like walks up to it and he does this like the swagger. swagger. Yeah, yeah. Like what is it? I know, he's phenomenal. So that was offered to Jim Carrey, uh, that role, and Carrey didn't do it, which I think is great because Goldblum was phenomenal in that role. Phenomenal. But he... Yeah, he's he's amazing. And just on the we're gonna talk about that that scene right before he gets attacked, which is sure. one of the master full scenes in cinema when you first meet the T Rex and it comes mm-hmm. out. And he does a classic something that's not co regulation. He tries to distract the T Rex with the flare and then runs. We've all been Jeff with the flare, Billy. <laughs> yes, so we have. <laughs> and the distraction is fine. The distraction of kids, you know, I need to handle this situation, so I'll give you this or whatever. Yep. But we're going to talk about something a bit more helpful in co regulation. Okay, good. So you've said co regulation a bunch of times. Yep. I'll be really honest. I have an idea of what I think it. Might be, but I don't actually know what it Give means. Give it to me. If you nail it, it'll be a 20-minute <laughs> <laughs> So co-regulation, is this kind of where a child is like uh, dysregulated, right, I'm imagining? So the kid's dysregulated, getting upset, and you need to regulate them but you do it in a way maybe that's like a ton of sort of empathy. You sort of come in and you sort of put yourself in their shoes and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm scared too sort of thing. Is that like yeah, yeah, the yeah. cosy, you're like trying to inhabit the same space as them to make them feel like, oh, it is okay if I'm scared or something like that. 
Yeah, that's beautiful description actually, which is yeah why you're so valuable on this podcast because that is a really good translation of what it is into language that's helpful. So co-regulation, as you've described, mm. is this it's an interaction between two individuals. So a lot of the theory is either it it's, exists in the parenting space, a big thing about kind of early attachment with infants and how we learn to mm. co-regulate with them. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff in the relationship space which will hopefully be helpful for people that are co-parenting as well, what we're going to talk about. Co-regulation is an evolutionary skill that we've developed over centuries. Like we have gotcha. been co-regulating in the way that our systems work because it's a we are very socially wired beings. Gotcha. So humans benefit from social interactions. Mm-hmm. One way we do that is that we can share kind of how our bodies are responding to a situation mm-hmm. and help another. So easy to explain when it's a little baby who's distressed, we co-regulate together. Now, successfully co-regulating, whether it's a baby who's distressed, a teenager that's really struggling or you're in conflict or struggling with your partner, successful co-regulation is when you get in sync and you go back to calm baseline together. It's not, you know, distraction like Jeff Goldblum. It's not you're really distressed, I'm going to give you this rattle and then, you know, you'll get over it or I'm just going to ignore that or avoid it. It's also not – we've spoken about coercion cycles, I think, on the podcast before, but just in case we haven't. Go on. What happens in a lot of parenting strategies, whether it's, you know, the toddler who's playing up or the teenager who's, you know, having difficulty and blowing up after school or something, Mm -hmm. is what's called a a coercion cycle. And what that means is that you kind of pressure someone into doing something, which is what we all do. But there's a better move than that. The reason that coercion cycles aren't great is, and I'll give you a couple of examples of them, Mm -hmm. say the kid in the supermarket demanding the the lolly from the checkout. And you're like – cool, I'm, I'm going to escalate, I'm going to start yelling or whatever and I might give in and give it to them to shut them up because I'm like I've got to get through this checkout. I've got to get through. You give in to them and what happens is that reinforces that behaviour. <sighs> so the kid goes, I'll just scream and I get the chocolate or we yell at them and ground them and that ends it and we kind of win. So often the coercion cycle is not a win. You don't win together, one of you wins. The parent wins and then that reinforces I yell and I send them to their bedroom and that ends the interaction. And behaviourally that means that the child at the checkout or the parent who yells and says get to your room is more likely to do that in the future. The problem is it's not great. It leads to an increase in further behavioural problems. feels crap as a parent doing that. Mm. And, yeah, it, it doesn't really help. So what, what um, co-regulation is is it's just a strategy and we'll talk about it really practically that sometimes in those moments is worth trying. Co-regulation is not an expectation that any of us should have that we do it all the time. So it shouldn't, shouldn't listen to this and go, I can never just give them the, the candy bar at the checkout or I can never send them to their room. It's just that you're very unlikely to develop the skills that we want with people through co-regulation by taking that strategy. And the skills we want them to develop is to be able to self-regulate. Yeah, so you, <clears throat> beautiful. So you have to be able to self-regulate before you can co-regulate and that's our role. So we have a different yes. power dynamic as a parent. So we do it together but we have greater ability to regulate our own emotions than the infant, the toddler, the teenager. Correct. So it's really important that we practice our own self-regulation we co-regulate really actively and purposefully with kids, but we also are teaching them about self-regulation and their bodies, how they do it and how they respond. But that's kind of where all the theory sits. 
And as we see in the movie and in a lot of our parenting experiences, often we're overwhelmed and we can't do it and that's actually fine. Completely. But it's, it doesn't mean accept that as your fate. This is a skill, a particular skill that we should work at in every relationship that's meaningful so to us. So it's not a skill. It's, so it's a skill. It's not something I can go, well, it's how I am. No, definitely. And also like people worry sometimes I think that they go, oh, you know, like the monk who just lives in the mountains and he's calm, you know, but that's it's not the life either of us are going to live tomorrow. It's not the life I lived this week, Bill. <laughs> yes. And we don't. And I would challenge the monk in the mountain to bring come that to level joint. of calm. Yes, yes. <laughs> come on to- a Tuesday morning when it's, <laughs> it's two degrees in the house. I'm trying to get breakfast in the kids and convince them to walk up to daycare. <laughs> yes. So that's the problem with a lot of the mindfulness stuff. It doesn't apply well into the practical lives that we all live. So that's what you hold me accountable on this podcast, but in this session as well about how do we actually do that stuff in a way that I don't need to go and re- live in a mountain retreat. And this is what we've experienced. We went on this trip. God, it was easy to parent when we were oh, working. Oh, you're not working. <laughs> yeah. So that's the answer, everyone. But... <laughs> But it is like I and I'm I'm right in this now. I'm having to co-regulate with Evie in almost yeah, every interaction with in her it. because she's telling me to get away. Oh. She's flipping out. She wants her mum. All this stuff, which is normal. But I have to, as you said, try and self-regulate in the moment and then really actively co-regulate with her. So what does it kind of look like? So for I guess we're going to I reckon we do a couple of age groups because we've got yeah. wide variety of people. So you and I have both got a two-year-old. So what are you going to do when she's telling you to go away? Yes. So and yeah. you and you needed to eat. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm the, just going to complicate the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, great, great. No, awesome. Yeah, and she's yeah, this, missing this a shoe happened. and Annalise, doesn't have a socks. So yeah. let's go. No, Annalise is back, you know, 37 <laughs> weeks pregnant doing 14-hour shifts. So I think I had three meals yesterday where I was being told to go away and didn't want to eat. Let's do it. So in the moment mm. I'm, I'm trying really hard and I reckon I'm failing at least half the time but trying to have that self-regulation and go, how am I feeling? cool, this is how it feels and check myself and just give myself a few seconds before I do anything, before I react or whatever to go away or I don't want you or whatever, you know, I'm hearing and realising how that makes me feel. And it's really important because I've got people like you and other mates that talk openly about this and say, man, that really hurts when that happens. And this is older kids, like one of my best mates talks about this where he's like, and it just really hurts when they don't want me and they want their mum. And I'm like, yeah, so that's an acknowledgement of how I'm feeling and tapping into that. In my body as well, like I can go, I don't know about you, I get really tense and I just feel really red and hot when that stress overwhelms me. And so that's my body dysregulating. That's my sympathetic nervous system firing, the whole fight, flight stuff. This is hard and my capacity is falling in that moment. So Evie's throwing the food back or saying no or whatever. Then what I know I need to do is I go, cool, she's two, she doesn't want this food, she'll be feeding off me. She'll be feeding off me dysregulating. So I purposefully try and come back in and I almost kind of really, you know, not overact but really act out what I'm trying to do to calm myself. One of the simplest things you can do is just, you know, take a deep breath and get down to the level of the child and that's any age group because what that does is it sets up I'm here I'm on your level, I hold your gaze, I look at you and I'm responding to you. I'm interacting with you, I'm here. It's not a I quickly need to do this, which is what I've done to a vet since we got home. I don't have time for this and we just both keep dysregulating and get worse. 
So in those moments, that's what I'm doing. And I'm trying to say this connection with a vet in this moment is more important than getting her shoes on. It's more important than her eating the food. It's more important than whatever, you know, task I'm trying to achieve because I'm just, I really need to be working at the moment on co-regulation. And it hurts me down the line because she won't eat or she doesn't get the shoes on or I run late to something. But it's just I'm, I'm realising now because I'm responding to her that there is a need for me to put more energy into that. Okay, good. Does I, that make sense? Yeah, I just had a big deep breath in the middle of it all because I was like, I tend to go the other way. You're like, that's fine. Let's escalate it. <laughs> yeah, that, so that's fine. At least, you know, so I've been doing that 50% yeah. of the time and I'm oh. just, you know, fuming and getting upset and stressed and, you know, all of the experiences that I'm having. But it just hasn't, and that's that's totally fine because those are no, survive no, no. moments. Gotcha. But the other times, so often in clinic, and I've been talking about this a bit, which is why, you know, I'm doing it this episode there's always plan a plan b so plan b is always whatever it takes you've got to get in the car seat i need you to eat this food you have to put your shoes on you're going to fight me on it we're going to dysregulate we're not going to get back to baseline together okay but i always try and give plan a a shot if i can totally okay if, if, I'm I've, down got, to if that. I've got five minutes i'm like cool i'll try it and i'll just watch it with her you also don't learn to co-regulate just in distress you learn to do it in everything that we do. You and I, we're not as good at it anymore. A lot of the strength in our relationship is because we used to co-regulate walking around with two little babies. Mm-hmm. We used to walk around, do something we enjoy together and we would get in sync. We'd get in sync just in the direction we were going, the pace we were walking, the way mm-hmm. we would talk to each other, the language, the conversation. And that we do that with our intimate partners as well. And it's a really important thing for co-parenting is that you purposely invest in how well you co-regulate with your partner mm. because in those moments – you need those allies. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Mm. I'm curious with a 16-year-old daughter mm. that tells you to go jump and slams the door, Yeah. what do you do there? So everything, every behaviour that we see like that is a flare that a kid is sending up for connection and in co-regulation and the first step that we're trying to do is connect. So they want connection. You're like you're not going to the party. She's like all my friends are going. I can just just picturing our future, Billy. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a few different approaches to that. There's the bad luck. There's that, you know, that authoritarian we've talked about before where it's like the judge dread, you know, bad luck, I am the law. Mm. There's the, you know, the passive, okay, I want to be on your side. So co-regulation doesn't mean, you know, it's – it's losing the rigidity in the way that you interact so mm. you are not the law. It doesn't mean you drop all your expectations and give in and say I'm just going to give in all the time. You know, It's about I want to understand what's going on for you. I want to connect with you in this moment. I understand you want to go to that party. Like, how, Let's try and connect and find a solution together that I'm responding to you and I'm going to be realistic and I'm not going to say, well, you can definitely go and it doesn't matter about, you know, going to whatever other commitment I want you to do, but how do we find common ground in the way that we talk about it? So we sit down on the same level, we find a space, we think is this environment right, do we both have capacity in the moment, all that stuff. But our goal is always we find the solution together. The goal of co-regulation is always we get in sync and we come back together to baseline. And it's not, it's not a thing that you just do one thing and you'll nail it every time. It's a skill like everything that you need to start with a low expectation and then build up your capacity in that relationship to get better at it. So I'm working really hard on it with Evie at the moment, but I don't expect next week it's going to be better. I know it's going to take a number of weeks before we start getting better at this and then I'll be able to soothe her. And it's the same with a teenager. We build a lot of this stuff 
from with infants with kids before they're one but it doesn't mean if you've stuffed it up it's gone the window's gone we mm. we can change relationships all the time yep. you know a lot of this theory around co-regulation is in you know Gottman and these people who were mainly to, doing family therapy in couples mm. and they just found I mean there's even amazing research out there that your fear centers in your brain if you put someone in an MRI and make them light up if you then get them to hold a stranger's hand while that experience happens their fear centers light up less they can't see the person. They're just holding a random hand. And then if it's a hand of a partner, mm. their fear centers light up even less than the stranger. And then the strength of the relationship, if that's a really strong, healthy, supportive relationship, that is has the biggest impact on reducing the fear centers firing wow. in MRIs. So this is not like a touchy-feely thing. This is how our bodies work. Science. And how we drop down that level of distress Wow. And just thinking the interaction you're having, if it's stressful and your body's firing and you're feeling whatever your version is, hot, red, tight, whatever, that, that is not co-regulation that's succeeding. That's what we're trying to do is come back, but come back with someone, not selfishly as an island, but come back down with the other person. Wow, gotcha. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so it's this really cool, like, you know, approach that I think can translate into how we're parenting as well and just trying to be responsive with our partners and going, yeah, I'm flipping out because I need more help than you're giving me or I'm stressed or whatever, but trying to connect with the person in that moment and then go, yeah, this is tough. Like we've both got a lot of pressure in our systems at the moment, but how can we kind of find a solution that calms us back down together? So that whole thing, some kids it's like, being hugged some kids it's not some kids it's just sitting in their space but we really watch them when we talk about mental health first aid and i'm getting to do this work with an amazing team mm. we talk about responding to what the kid is showing you so the teenager might be looking for connection in that moment and that might be them pushing out and going i just want to see if you will come back into me or will if i tell you to get stuffed will you actually leave me alone and what do they want in that but you watch them you give them space and you check in again and go i'm here i want to help how can we do this together? And you do it in a calm voice. We're going to see in the scene, you know, the way that Sam Neill does it. And it's really about this is overwhelming for me, but mm. I'm working internally on my own self-regulation and then trying to support you by connecting and being at your rhythm and then coming back down. I remember um, probably 10 years ago I was in the emergency department and mm. I rolled in as a kid, teenager, really, really distressed, experienced lots of trauma, was kind of – there was codes going out saying this kid's flipping out and everything and I was on the psych team. So I did like six months of psych, um, mm. yeah, a long time ago. It was amazing. But um, anyway, this kid, I went down. I went down with one of the profs and I'd known this guy, you know, seen him do talks but never seen him interact clinically with anyone. And I remember at the time I was so naive that I thought this was a bit silly. The kid, we went into the room and it's like safe room, you know, there's not much in there. And the kid is in the corner, curl up in a ball, just rocking. This is like a 15, 16-year-old kid. Now this, this professor has rolled in with all of us like impressionable doctors. There's a whole team of us that roll in, see what's going on. He just completely cuts us all out of his interaction, just gets down on the ground and goes into a similar position as the kid right next to him and just like starts moving in a similar way. I was like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> but looking back now, he was just attempting to co-regulate with this kid. Gotcha. And he didn't care what we thought of him. He just went, I'll just try this. There's no risk, you know, to my reputation or whatever. He's got enough self-esteem that he doesn't care yep. what impressionable <clears throat> trainees would think. And he just tried and he was having a shot at co-regulation. And How'd it's, he go? 
Yeah, good, good. The kid was, you know, the kid seemed to de-escalate and, you know, seemed to calm down a bit and then, you know, it didn't fix everything. The kid was experiencing a lot of difficulty but that's it's just a really important attempt that we make to kind of connect with our kids in the moment and whatever it takes. Like whatever it takes, Billy. Yeah, but that connection is what we're seeking in co-regulation and then we calm ourselves and the other person who's struggling down together. Okay. Do you reckon we should probably throw yeah, Sam Neill and the kids? So, yeah, let's go to the scene. So the the scene, just to set it, because it's the hardest thing about Jurassic Park and picking a scene is so much of it's visual. visual. So, <laughs> um, but I've picked um, – I actually thought I was going to pick a different scene, but what we're seeing now is the T-Rex has come out. Mm. So classic T- T-Rex uh, dysregulates because <gasps> he, he goes from like behind a fence, tethered goat for a meal. <laughs> Fences down, world opens up. And that's what often happens to kids who become dysregulated. Once the world opens up too much, they become little T-Rexes. And and they need a bit of rigidity, Billy. Yeah, and just dysregulate. So the T-Rex is dysregulated and he's trashed the cars and he's thrown one of the cars over the cliff. So I don't know if you remember, the car goes over, the boy is in the car, stuck up in the tree. And Sam Neill has gone down, this really traumatic experience, but he's kind of abseiled down with the girl. Girl is flipping out because there was a guy in the car with them who just ran. He gets eaten by the T-Rex, so justice comes to him. But he he's not interested in co-regulating. That guy sees the T-Rex and he's out of there. <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, like a um, lawyer. Yes, and uh, maybe he self-regulates a bit, but he's got no interest in the kids connecting with them. He's gone. He's just in um, survival mode. Sam Neill, on the other hand, has come out and saved the kids. So he's the first one that uses the distraction technique, throws it off, but then Goldblum overdoes it. And he, he sacrifices himself to save the kids. So the scene is they're down there, the girl is flipping out and we're going to hear Sam Neill connect and you should watch the video because he does it in a really good mental health first aid and then he climbs the tree to get to Timmy. So that's gotcha. what we're going to hear. Okay, let's do it. Max, listen, listen. Max, I'm right here. I'm going to look after you but I have to go help you, brother. So I want you to stay right here and wait for me. He loves He loves but that's not what I'm gonna do. Okay? Tim? 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 You okay? Never, never look down. This never. is impossible. So, how am I going to do this? It's I'm going to help you with the footing. Oh, no. Damn it. Go. 
Captain. Well, we're back in the car again. Oh, at least you're out of the tree. <laughs> so it's a great scene and it's great for a number of reasons. He beautifully co-regulates with the girl at the start. Yep. So people who heard it and didn't see it, he drops down and he looks in her eyes and he doesn't say it's okay. He says, I'm here. Mm. It's a beautiful thing that we talk about a lot yep. in this podcast. He doesn't just say it's okay. He says it's okay to the kid and they said the boy because the boy says I vomited. So that's a different it's okay. He's not saying it's okay and dismissing the fear Situation. and the experience that yep. the girl is having. And he also says that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay. I'm here and I'm not going to run away like the other guy did. Now what he also does is he explains what he needs to do. I need to go up that tree. But he says stay right here, specific instructions, and I'm coming back. And he doesn't go up the tree until she affirms that she's okay with it by nodding. So it's a beautiful thing to demonstrate and that's Sam Neill perfectly co-regulating with the distressed kid. Then what he does is he goes up the tree, doesn't he? Yep. To get the boy. Now the reason that's beautiful and I've included that as well is often we need to go up with these kids. We need to go into the level of distress and go up with them and we will feel that in our bodies when we co-regulate. And then what he's trying to achieve is to, to connect with the kid. So he's, he doesn't open the door of the car until he realizes Tim acknowledges him and looks back at him and is calm. And then he opens the door nice. and he connects with him. He connects with him by what we often are going to do in co-regulation, which is sharing our emotional sensitivity. Mm. And he says, it's okay that you vomited. I won't tell anyone. And so he's emotionally connecting with him. Gotcha. Have you, did your dad build you a tree house? He says no, and he says neither did mine. They're emotionally connecting. He's having empathy and compassion and sharing his own emotional experiences in that moment. Nice. Now he's trying plan A of I'm going to connect with this kid and I'm yep. going to take him down the tree as slow as I need to and I'm going to co-regulate with him and keep him safe and calm mm. the way that he speaks and everything is calm. But then he looks down, the car starts falling and it's plan B. Plan B. Co-regulation's gone. Yep. Co-regulation doesn't matter anymore. They just need to get down safely. And that's okay. And Sam Neill is invested in co-regulation with the boy. He succeeded with the girl. He didn't succeed with the boy, but it's still powerful. And later in the movie, he tries to co-regulate him off the electric fence again. He's up the fence and he gets trapped. He knows that power's about to come back on and he's trying to co-regulate the kid down calmly, but the, the power comes back on and electrocutes him and he flies off. So he, he, we don't see him successfully co-regulate with the boy. We only see him do it with the girl, but it's a beautiful way of mm. him trying to do it in a way that's calming, soothing, connect, make them feel safe and then have the expectation that you will be able to stand here and wait while I go and get your brother, that we will climb down carefully from this tree, that you will come down the fence and he's co-regulating with these kids and that's why it comes back to him. So like us, he gains out of it as well because he's got a connection now with these kids. The beautiful thing about Jurassic Park is he doesn't go on and have kids, the character. Laura Dern has kids but not with him. Because that's not – he wants to connect with these kids and he starts to like kids through Jurassic Park 1 and we see that in the later movies he really loves these kids. But he doesn't become a parent. It's a beautiful thing that they did where they could have easily put them together and they had kids together but that's, that wasn't Sam Neill's path. And I think that the, in the community there are people that are not parents that have a huge influence on kids' lives 
I've just seen it in a superficial way traveling around America and having all these amazing people connecting with and having really helpful, healthy interactions with a vet. But, you know, you guys are not, you and Henry are not the parents of a vet. You are a hugely positive relationship that will help her with her co-regulation skills and that attachment and security. So this same tactic works because obviously he's not the parent of these kids. It works for teachers and carers and all the rest of it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we meaningful relationships um, at their core succeed because of co-regulation and the way that we do that. So the right. Godman who did a lot of his co-regulation and relationship stuff, you know, he said that he could predict with 90% accuracy whether relationships would last or not and his whole thing was like he's, we might talk about it if it comes up in the questions but it was all about how good a relationship is, not just an intimate one but a relationship is at co-regulating and that's what Sam Neill shows us how to do it. And he only succeeds one out of three times in the movie but he keeps trying and that's why he builds a bond with these two kids. So we should focus on that heavily. Yes, so focus focus heavily on it. It's, it's, we're trying to succeed. The goal is to calm down and co-regulate and return to a baseline where our heart's not racing, we're not feeling tense, we've got capacity and we're feeling calm. But we shouldn't feel like it's a wasted effort if we don't succeed. It's the crying baby that keeps crying while you're soothing them, you are still soothing them. You are still helping them. You are, yep. They are still learning you're there. The teenager who still tells you to get stuffed, even though you go, I'm here, if, I, if you need me, I always will be still knows they're safe and secure. It's just because they still say get stuffed or mm. I don't want to talk to you, you still invest in it and you keep showing them that that's what matters, the connection, the relationship over everything else. Nice. I like helpful? it. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like the Sam Neill like as the, uh, the model of it. It's kind of like well, I yeah, can see so all those, that scene I can be like, yep, great outcomes with the girl. Well-intended outcome with the boy. Mm. Plan B. <laughs> yeah, but plan B's fine. But So be Sam Neill, not Chris Pratt in, no. the, in the later <laughs> movies because Chris Pratt holds out his hand and yes. So Stop that's not up. all we're talking about. It's deeper than that. And we can talk a lot more, you know, in, in the follow-up app about <clears> like some more practical approaches to it. But I just yep. wanted to come back in with something that's strategic. I'm being a bit selfish because I need to be working on this heavily at the moment. But no. we'll, um, we'd love to hear people sending in some real, you know, practical questions yeah. about how to translate this and there's a lot about kids with neurodiversity in yep, this yep. space if people ask about that. Yep. There's different age groups. There's kind of what's going on in the physiology and how do we tap that a little bit better and mm-hmm. mindfulness does a lot of that stuff. There's polyvagal theories, heaps of pathways we can go down cool. but we'll see what people want to hear about and we're going to – it looks like we'll do every fortnight. Yep. So we're going to have the episode out and then a week later we'll start fishing for questions. 100%. Um, and putting them out there but people should feel comfortable being so, really honest. Yeah, so if this is your first time listening, um, what we do is we do the episode, the topic, over two episodes. So uh, co-regulation will happen over the next two eps but the first one's where Billy runs through where we're at on the topic, runs through with the movie – and the second is your opportunity to ask questions and we'll answer them on air. All the questions are anonymous, so you include as much or as little detail as you want. We don't reveal names, um, but it makes up a huge part of or it makes up our entire part of the part two episode. So if you want to hear some examples, just go listen to our part two episodes of other episodes that we've run through. We've got 63 in the catalogue. Um, but the best way to drop those questions is either via popcultureparenting at Gmail or popcultureparenting on Instagram. Um, and also we'll have some polls in the coming week or so where you'll be able to insert questions uh, into those as well. So we'll ask some questions for you. So follow our Instagram. It's probably the best way to uh, keep abreast of where we're at with all of it. But, um, Billy, I love that. 
I think we all need a bit of co-regulation. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's worth investing in, and um, we also have to have another big shout out to all of our community because we're loving the reviews, people sharing it. Yep. We look at all that stuff. That's the only way that people hear about this stuff. Um, and you're all a part of the success that this yep. is this has had. Awesome. All right. Thanks very much, Dr. Billy. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Nick. Just use your best judgment. We trust you.